where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house. I never remember whether I say this is the future or this is the past, so I'll just do this. We're taking you into the future of now. Welcome, 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 welcome. That used to be my old clue years ago before we had visual. We're on Zoom now. Everybody wave hello to LinkedIn, please. Wave hello to Facebook. There you go. Before I introduce them, I just want you to see they're, they're happy to be here, and so am I. Anyway, I used to have to figure out whether people were going to stop talking or start talking. Now I have the pleasure of the visual, So, and that's why we're waving hello. Important topic today. Everybody's talking about work. Are you doing a hybrid? Are you working from home? Are you working from a coffee shop? Are you working from a basement or a closet somewhere? Are you back in an office? But more important that I want to talk about who's the boss? Who is he? Do you have a boss? Do you need a boss? Do you want a boss? Is it a human? Are you bossing yourself, my sister? My late sister used to say to me, you're not the boss of me. And I wanted to say that to a lot of bosses over the years. You're not the boss of me because they were mean and they were nasty. All bosses are not created equal, but I'd like to say we learn and take away from each of them. So to start off our topic, I'm going to look back in TV history to the year 1984. Oh my, there was a TV show called, everybody join me. Three words. Let's go. One, two, three. Who's, Who's the, the boss? boss? That's right. Starring Tony Danza as Tony Maselli. He was a former Major League Baseball player who relocated to Connecticut to work as a live-in housekeeper. Oh, yeah. And who was he working for? Judith Light, a powerful divorced advertising executive. Would you believe it was nominated for more than 40 awards? It won five Golden Globes, 10 primetime Emmys. And everybody said, wait a minute. That's a role reversal. Isn't this cute? Isn't this funny? The guy gets to stay home and take care of the house and the kids, and the woman goes to work and brings home the bread? Oh, my goodness. Well, the question now is, are we all staying home, and who's bringing home, and who's telling you what to do? So let me give a couple of more. I call them the buzz, opening quotes, and then we'll go around the table and have my four esteemed guests introduce themselves. So there was a study done recently by CBRE and Genesis and a report also in the Wall Street Journal. I don't have the exact date, so I can look it up if anybody wants it. And they said everyone will be a leader in the workplace in 2030. Now, we're now mid-2022. It's not that far away. They said work will thrive in teams, not with dictators. The chief of work. That's a new seat at the C-suite table, I think. The chief of work will set the culture in the organization. Workers at all levels will use robotic helpers like Siri or Alexa. If I say it too loud in the other room, she'll talk to me. To go through their incoming email. Ooh, that's private. Schedule meetings, create spreadsheets. Is anybody using spreadsheets anymore? That was from a website called Simply Learn, S-I-M-P-L-I, learn.com. I have another quote from a coach, Monique. I don't know who she is, but she says, being a leader rather than a boss is more critical, especially in these times of unpredictable change. And heck, yes, we've been through unpredictable change, and we're still not any good at predicting it. Trust me. In a 2016 study by Fidelity, many millennials said they're willing to take a significant pay cut if it meant air 
job environment, and that means a better boss, easier to work with. And in a 2019 study by Robert Half, the employment company, nearly half of the professionals they surveyed said they left a job before because of a bad boss. How many on this panel have done that, left a job because of a bad boss? Okay, that's three out of five. That's not too bad. We'll, we'll find out what, what Matt and Scott have been so lucky not to have to do that. And I have one more quote from an article of the Washington Post. Listen up. This is interesting. The time of the heroic leader is over. The time of the, I'm going to say it, the alpha male, the dominant, typically male leader who knows everything, who gives direction to everybody, sets the pace, everybody follows them because they're so smart. They're so intelligent. They're so clever. It's over. The article says the altrocentric leader is being replaced, I'm sorry, is replacing the egocentric leader I just described. The ones we want to work for focus on others. Listen, they're intellectually curious, they're emotionally open, and they have empathy. Oh my, if only. That's all I'm going to say is if only. I've had male bosses, I've had female bosses, and I would say categorically the female bosses were harder to work for. They were really tough and very, very not, not pleasant experiences. I'll just leave it at that. But that might come out later. We're going to hear some predictions from <laughs> Vanessa Egliot-Salona. Say hello, wave. Vanessa Hi. is with us, courtesy of our good friend Carrie Brown, who just started to work for Salonis and couldn't make it today. She nominated Vanessa. Thank you for joining us. Bill Jensen, Mr. Simplicity. It's been a while. I'm always happy to see you. Love the smile on the red headset after my own heart. I'm not wearing mine. Scott Dust, you said I could say PhD when I introduce you. He's at Cloverleaf. Welcome back, Scott. Wonderful to see you. And another newcomer, we have Matt Krentz. Matt, welcome from BCG. And Matt comes to us courtesy of Frances Taplett, a former panelist on the show, and she couldn't make it, so she nominated Matt. We're very appreciative, Frances. Our topic today, the future of work and technology. Who is the or your boss? And we're going to keep it near term to 2025. Oh my, that's just what, two and a half years away. I think we can get our arms around that. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. I work for myself. I'm a pretty good boss. I'm actually pretty lenient, but I can be pretty <laughs> tough. Long hours, nights and weekends, what can I tell you? So let's go around the table. It's time for introductions. Vanessa Egley, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Would you kindly introduce yourself? What's your passion for being here? Vanessa, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be dialing in from Europe, actually, from Germany, representing a little bit of the European view, although I am Australian. Uh, so I have had a relatively long career in change management. I've worked in four different countries and I've seen lots of different cultures and work environments, some good, some not so good. And so my passion for the future of work is really around the fact that as a woman who's been working for so long in so many different environments, I've had to make some really hard trade-offs in my career based around some of the inflexibilities that existed in the workplaces. You know, when I had young children, I had to hold back on going for a promotion maybe because it was the expectations on how you did your work and how your manager or your boss dealt with you were very different even five years ago. And what I've seen has happened in the last couple of years, such change, so many new expectations around work, how it gets done, how it best gets done. And I find that really exciting. And I think it's a real opportunity for organizations to be way more inclusive and just to you know, ramp up diversity and let different people participate in work and make us all better for it. Thank you. So beautifully said, Vanessa. I appreciate that. Do you think, do you need a boss? Do you have a boss? Do you want a boss? Let me just poll you first, Vanessa. 
Well, I mean, I think I work in, you know, a relatively large organization. I think the question is, do I need a manager or a leader and what do I need them for? So I definitely don't need someone to tell me what I should be concentrating on. Uh, that's an agreement that we make together based on mm-hmm. the overall team purpose that we have, for example. I don't need someone to tell me how to do my work. But yeah, I still need somebody probably to help me maneuver the political situation in the organization or open up their network to me to make me more successful. So I think I'm more than happy to have someone to be that person for me. But not so much the old-fashioned boss role, more of a mentor, more of a coach, more of someone who collaborates with me and helps me be more successful. I think that's something everybody can still enjoy, right? Thank you. Yes, very well said. Bill Jensen, Mr. Simplicity, simplerwork.com. Bill, let's hear from you. Bill, I'm guessing you've been on the show several times over the past few years. You know what I'm going to do. I'm doing my audience calculator uh, based on, (laughs) on, you know, your, your... your impact on the audience. I'm guessing that there might be 11.4 people who don't remember you all over the world. That's all. That's pretty good. Vanessa, you'll get there when you come back on the show. We'll get you to that level or even better. So Bill, would you please talk to those 11.4 people? Refresh them. What have you been doing since the last time? And what's your take on, do you need a boss? I think I know the answer to that. Bill Jensen, welcome. Welcome to everyone. Thank you for having us. Uh, Well, for more than 35 years, I've been running my own firm, the Jensen Group, in change management. So I've been doing this topic for a long time. Uh, Matter of fact, I founded it the year after Who's the Boss uh, happened. And uh, my entire career has been, I've been walking a tightrope because I am the workforce advocate. I'm always advocating for the person who is doing the work, but I've always been paid by the people who hire all those people. And it's often difficult to tell the truth to power. The most difficult thing I've both blown and occasionally done successfully is tell the truth to power. Did you wanna jump in? No, no, I'm just, I I was taking captions off of Facebook so that when you're talking, we didn't have your caption running across, so forgive me for looking away. No, that's very, very interesting. Can you define truth to power? I usually hear it, Bill, in in a political type of context. So would you mind defining it for truth to power? In None of us as human beings, none of us want to be told the truth we don't want to face. And in corporations, most of the time, I work in change management, most of the difficulty in getting change adopted is not, not, not the workforce or the middle managers. It's usually in the top 20 people. Uh, So I've had to figure things out from there. Very interesting. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to your predictions as always. Thank you very much. Scott Dust, I'm allowed to say PhD one more time and then it's just Scott. So Scott, welcome back. I'm going to say you're at about the same rate with Bill. I'd say 11.3 maybe people you're going to talk to right now. Reintroduce yourself, refresh their memory. Scott, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's it's nice to be back in such good company. Um, So I'm the nerd of the group where I have been researching and coming up with very specific evidence-based models to understand everything that we're talking about, whether it's who are managers and what do they do? What are their role? What are leaders? How do you create good teamwork and interactions? Basically anything in the organizational behavior space. So I'm a professor at University of Cincinnati. 
uh, in the Leonard College of Business, but I also am a practitioner where I really believe in bridging the gap between science and practice. So I've got a handful, after just hearing the introduction about some of these, the heroic leadership and the gender differences, I would love to add in some uh, additional commentary on some of the evidence out there and some fun studies that we've done that can kind of reveal what's going on. But I also really am an advocate for how do we simplify all of this academic mumbo jumbo in a way that can be useful for audiences on a day to day basis. Um, and so my partnership with with Cloverleaf and my role there as chief research officer is how do we use science to really help people thrive as team members and as leaders. And so it's an automated coaching platform. And we can talk also about this difference between management versus leadership, mentors versus coaching, and what exactly do all those different variations mean and how do they overlap? So those are all fun things that I'm looking forward to, to talking about with the group. Thank you very much. If there's a you're in your predictions, that's what we're going to be talking about. Thank you, Scott. Welcome. And I, I appreciate the idea of we talk about actionable insights for large corporations, right? Everyone we talk about, you want your data to, to be able to be used in some practical way to help the company. Well, when you talked about the the ability to take some of the studies and apply those in real life, that's the same thing as what kinds of actions can we take and what will we know? It, it just boils down to people, really. It's just people. And that's it. And we're just trying to get through and trying to help our companies be healthy and smart and stay in business. And we're trying to make ourselves healthy, smart and stay in business. I think that's the common goal. So thank you very much, Scott. Looking forward. Matt Krentz, welcome. You're a newcomer again. Thank you. You come to us through Francis Taplet. Sorry, she couldn't join us. We're delighted to have you here. I won't give you an audience number because you've never been on my show before. So why don't you talk to the audience and next time you come on, we'll have a number for you. Okay, Scott. Well, I have a lot, a lot Matt, to meet then. Matt, so you thank certainly you, do. Pleasure. Talk to us. Uh, you know, Bonnie, I have to admit, I, uh, I started with the firm I'm with, Boston Consulting Group, uh, out of college in 1983. And I've been at that same employer my whole career. It's one of those oddities that I don't think will ever happen again in today's world. But uh, with that, I have found, uh, actually, I ch I've changed who I've worked with continually. And that's one of the things that's kept me here is I haven't had to quit my company to change, change my leader. I have uh, played a lot of roles at BCG, but for the last 10 years, um, spent time as our global people chair, which meant I was responsible for, for the way we work and how we attract and retain and develop people. And then most recently, I'm currently uh, leading our global diversity, equity, inclusion, and also leadership development. And so this is a topic that's a passion of mine in terms of how is the way we work together how does that influence um, both the way we attract diverse talent, but also in this world we're living in, um, the diversity of talent we need to attract is going up. And so the ways that we used to work and the top-down directives that we used to have, uh, I don't see working in the future world. And likewise, we need to think about how that leader really leads people who are much different than they were. And when I first joined, you know, we hired people that pretty much walked, talked, and had an educational background that was all the same. And that is not the world we're going to live in going forward. And likewise, we'll talk about this. They're not all going to be sitting right next to me or outside my door. And so the aspects of leadership that are going to be required, and I use the word leadership intentionally because I think I agree that boss is an antiquated concept. Um, and we need to think about how leadership actually behaves in the future world and get over being a boss. 
Thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate that. Your your screen has gone dark. We can't see you at it all. Has. We uh -oh. can we can hear you, but we can see you. So just so when you see the video, you'll see, there you are. You're back. When you see Who the knows? video, you'll see that it was just a black square, and I had everybody on on camera so we could see the faces while we were all reacting so favorably and buying into what you were saying because it, <laughs> it was great. So thank you very much. I didn't want to interrupt you. I wanted you to do your introduction. So thank you so much. Great introductions, everybody. Um, does anybody have a, we're not going to share them now, but if you were asked, if you have a really worst boss story that people would want to hear, how many of you would have at least one you would consider sharing? Not today, but uh, uh, Matt, no, Scott, no. Oh, Matt's got one. Scott's the only one. Okay. That's because he does okay. the research. Okay. Maybe at the end of the show, we'll give a, a, a two, a 32nd uh, worst boss. I've, I've had a couple of doozies. I'll tell you. Okay. One of them actually ran the company into the ground, but she did so with great style. So let's go to our opening quotes. If you're new to listenership to viewership on LinkedIn or Facebook, I asked my guests for a fictional quote from a movie or a TV show character. We're not going to do who's the boss. Tony Dan's on this one because I already used him in the intro or from a song lyric. And the quote has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. We're going to ask each of my guests to explain how they pick their quote and what it does have to do with the topic in their opinion, in their own words. So Vanessa Egliotsalonis is first. And this quote is from Andrew Clark, played by Emilio Estevez. He plays the part of the athlete, and that's in quotes. I'm using air quotes. The movie is The Breakfast Club, 1985, American teen coming-of-age comedy drama film. And uh, it starred Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy as teenagers from different high school cliques who spend a Saturday in detention and try to deal with each other. A criminal, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a brain. And they survive. Here is the quote Vanessa has picked from this iconic movie. My God, are we going to be like our parents? Vanessa, <laughs> I, I love the line. I don't even remember the movie, but I love the line. What does this have to do with our topic today? Three minutes. Go ahead. Well, you know, there are some parts of getting older we can't deny that we do get more like our parents. I don't know if you have the same thing, Bonnie, but sometimes I leave my glasses on top of my head and my kids have to tell me that they're on top of my head when I'm looking for them. And I think to myself, I'm just like my mom, I'm turning into my mom. But I think one thing that we will not experience that our parents experienced is the kinds of workplaces they had. In fact, I don't even think we're going to experience the kinds of workplaces we had if we go back five years or 10 years or when I started my career in the 90s. And this is a good thing, I think. I, I like what I'm seeing with some of the changes that are coming through. And that's why I'm excited about being in the discussion and being a part of it. And as so many panelists have said today, being an advocate for people who work, you know, we're not just parts, cogs in the machinery. So I think that's why I chose the, the quote. No, we're not going to work like our parents. And I think this is a positive thing. The other reason I think I thought of uh, this particular movie and the scenario is that you think about it, you said it yourself, Bonnie, uh, the characters, the athlete, the brain, the basket case, the, what was it, the model and the, the brain or the, the princess in the brain, you know, this speaks to diversity. This speaks to people being thrown together and at first being very uncomfortable around each other because of the biases they have of each other. And doesn't this speak to what it's like when you're part of a team? You know, you can't choose your teammates and that's probably also a good thing. But we have to be really conscious about how we move past the biases we have of other people and 
tackle common objectives. Now, in that movie, it was to cause havoc and, you know, uh, really stick the middle finger up to the guy who was putting them into detention. Obviously, our objectives at work are different. But I love that, yeah, just that speaking to diversity, move past biases, work together towards a common outcome. This speaks to me about teamwork. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And that goes back to one of my research quotes at the beginning of the show. I remember arriving on a new job at one particular point as a marketing director for a big real estate company, walking in the first day and the woman who I had met during the interview, I was sharing an office with her in this big old house on Long Island, beautiful place to have an office. Of course, it was real estate. We had a, an office in a house, you know, a big house. She looked at me and she said, we don't want you here. We don't like you. I think you're trying to, you were hired to steal my job and we're going to make your life a living hell. And I said, well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I just left a really good job in Manhattan to come here. And it was always a negotiation or a navigation, better word, navigation for the couple of years that I worked for them at every level of the company. So interesting. Talk about teamwork. I think she and I ended up being friends and I didn't want her job at all. She figured that out. Okay. I was way more high tech than she was anyway. So Bill Jensen is next. Bill, you have a quote from number six, spelled at N-U-B-E-R-M-U-M-B-E-R-S-I-X, played by Patrick McGowan, the movie. I'm sorry. It's a TV show. The Prisoner, 1967 British avant-garde social sci-fi TV series. It's about an unnamed British intelligence agent, hence the number, abducted and imprisoned in a mysterious coastal village where his captors try to find out why he abruptly resigned from his job. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to read anymore, but, but a lot of surreal stuff happened. Here's the quote Bill has selected. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered says number six. Bill, how'd you find this one? <laughs> well, first of all, among all of us, I'm the oldest to know, to have watched that TV show originally. Uh, but it actually was a chapter quote I used in my second book, Work 2.0, which is exactly about today's topic. What was interesting, though, it was among my least uh, best-selling bestsellers because it was probably too prescient. I, t I wrote in the early 2000s about you need to be your own boss. The workforce needs to take charge. You need to contract for yourself. You need to be more empowered, all of that. And corporate America, cor global corporations were not as ready as they are now. Uh, but it was really about uh, empowerment from an individual's perspective. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I love the idea of I will not be numbered and that was his name. Okay. Talk about not getting along with what people tell you to do. Let's go to, let's see now, Scott, I'm looking at your quote and this is from a song by Eminem from the film Eight Mile from 2002. It won an Oscar for best original song. The song was titled Lose Yourself and here's the line. You better lose yourself in the music, the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. You only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity happens once in a lifetime. I'm reading a poem here. Scott, talk to me. What is this about in terms of our topic? Go ahead. Sure. So I had to follow up after the last presentation or um, uh, with Bill. Bill was there as well, where I, I had the theme of uh, Jay-Z saying, I'm not a, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business, comma, man. And it's a little bit of a continuation of that, sticking with the hip hop theme, but also this recognition that the time is right 
And I think part of that is that it's been brewing for a long time. And just like Bill said, right, he was talking about it two decades ago, but it, it hadn't quite arrived yet. It was always kind of bubbling to the surface. But technology has gotten to the point where we recognize it. The, the shift in power has gotten to the point where people want it. And then I think that the COVID pandemic just really kind of pushed it over the edge, right? Like all of these things were brewing for a long time. And it's not that it happened overnight. It was more like this was the, the straw that, that broke the camel's back. Like, so now is the time, right? If you haven't been thinking with this type of mindset previously, the time is right to do it now. And you need to figure it out, right? You have to figure out what it means to be a boss. You have to figure out how to own your career and own your own career progression. And if you don't do that right, you're going to be left behind, right? So it's, it's, it's the time is really uh, perfect for figuring it all out. Thank you. That's very interesting. Bill wants to comment quickly. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to make the connection between what Scott did and what you and the quote is I didn't realize it till just now. I watched Eight Mile when it first came out. I'm a hardcore Hamilton fan. I'm not going to miss my shot. And Eight Mile quote are exactly parallel. It's two wow. rappers set, talking about the same thing from two different directions. There you that. go. Isn't that interesting? We, we get synchronicity sometimes on the show where just to my listeners and my viewers, we don't sit down at a table and say, okay, here are Bonnie's favorite eight quotes. Vanessa, pick one. Bill, pick one. Scott, pick one. Matt, pick one. Matt, your picture is back. Good. You're coming in and out. I'm glad you're here because I'm going to your quote next. It's just, it's just serendipitous. The quotes, the way they all relate because they're coming. Everybody's coming at the topic from a different direction through a fictional character or a song lyric. And I love it. So thank you very much. Matt Krantz, you picked a quote from everybody's favorite, Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis, talking to Sam, play, uh, played by Tohib Jimo in season one, episode two, Biscuits, Do I Do My Homework or What, Matt Krantz? It originally aired on August 14th, 2020. And uh, as although Sam didn't quite get the point at the time, there's a metaphor I'm going to read in a second, was meant to encourage him to forget that he was getting disrespected on the pitch by Jamie. So here we go. The quote is, you know what the, ha I wish I could do a Jason Sudeikis imitation. <laughs> such, such a great voice. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? It's got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. Yeah. I played the clip over and over, Matt, and I loved it. So Matt, how'd you pick this one? Talk to us. Well, I love this one too. And I love, I little, love Ted Lasso. Um, I think he's a, a, a challenge for future leaders because he's exactly what a lot of our leaders are doing today. He's not the guy who knows the most. He's not the guy that can tell people what they ought to do on the pitch. You know, he's not the guy that's going to walk in there and say, I have, you know, 30 years of history and I have all the answers. And that's a lot of our leaders today. We're not in a world where, where people can know the answers. And I love this quote. It's something I learned when I was in college and doing a job selling books door to door and got really depressed because things weren't going well. And the guy who was my manager or boss at that point basically said, you got to forget about the things you can't control and you got to focus on what you can. And a bit, Scott, I think it comes back to what you're talking about is how do you look forward and how do you actually take ownership over what you're going to do? And, and this was such a hilarious quote. When you think about a goldfish and they're just happy and you know what, it's, you got to be able to put the mistakes you made behind you. You got to put, you know, the environment that was yesterday behind you and focus on what you can do going forward. And so to me, it's motivational um, as it was meant to be, but it's also really great advice. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. 
Uh, Matt, I'm going to ask you to close some of your apps if you have a lot of apps open because something is something is taken up. Something is taking up bandwidth away from your picture on Zoom, and we want to be able to see you. We did see you for part of your quote, so thank you very much. There we go. So now it's time for the predictions. Let's see if we can breeze through these. Vanessa Egley, I'm looking at prediction number two. Let's dive into this. I'm just going to read the first two lines. You say the words boss and manager will fade away. I'm going to stop right there. Vanessa, talk to us. So I think we said earlier in the call that the word boss is already quite antiquated and I really try not to use it. Manager, we're still using quite a lot. But if we're thinking about where the word manager actually came from, I guess this comes from the fact that in years before, this person's role was really to manage the inputs and the outputs of the team. But what we're seeing more now and what is a much more modern approach is that teams should have a purpose and nobody needs to manage their inputs and outputs. We have technology now, which gives them real-time data when they need it. And if they've got the right mindsets and the bias to action, they will choose the right uh, course of action towards agreed purpose and outcomes that are expected. So actually, this concept of a manager who really manages work packets in that sense is already probably quite antiquated. And what I see coming in instead of that is, yes, I think teams need to have someone who advocates for the team, who goes and fights for resources and budget for their great ideas and the projects that they want to do that moves them towards their purpose. I think they need to have great coaches. I think teams need to have people who kind of, yeah, um, curate their their learning opportunities or Mm -hmm. to open up their networks and give them exposure and and bring them into great collaborative um, opportunities with other teams. And, you know, they could be teams inside or outside of the organization. So I think manager to me is already quite old fashioned boss. Try not to use it. I'm a more of a fan of using words like coach, curator, collaborator. And yes, I think this implies a completely different skill set from this person, not a content expert, not a bureaucrat, someone with amazing people skills with, you know, a vision that they're happy to communicate and to, to rally people around that. Somebody who likes people. Oh yeah, my, imagine. What a, what a thought. The, my my biggest boss from hell used to um, make sure that I I lived a long commute through the Long Island Railroad out to Long Island from Manhattan, and I got there early and I left on time, but I worked very long days, very long days. And she loved to come into my office at 4.57 p.m. to see if I was still there. And if on some chance... <laughs> I had already started my trek to Penn Station from Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> and I had a daughter in, in junior high school home and was going to go home and have dinner with her. Uh, I got a red line note on my desk the next day that said, 457, where are you? Wow. Everything I did was redlined. And I was told the day I took the job, she said, you either agree to a 3% raise right now based on nothing in particular, or I will never, ever give you a raise again based on anything. You will never get a raise. And she made sure HR never reviewed me for five years because she ran HR with an iron rule, iron thumb. 
I never got a review. It was never presented. It was round filed every single year. She held everybody under her thumb. She ran the company like her own private fiefdom. What can I tell you? I'll tell you the backstory later. But that was one of, but I will tell you, I mentioned a takeaway. The takeaway was the woman was one hell of a, an editor, a sharp look at it, fix it. And I wrote the annual report that year because they were too cheap to hire a writer. So I was already working in marketing. So I learned editing skills under under fire from her under the gun from her that i have taken with me to this day and i'm grateful for that opportunity but the woman was a b blank 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 on on wheels and long dresses and fur coats let's leave that one alone let's go to bill jensen of course your prediction number two starts out with the word simple in it somewhere you say super simplified employees will for better or for worse find themselves in one of two groups the haves or the have-nots I can't wait for you to unpack this, Bill. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let me go further upstream before that, uh, that prediction. Uh, first, technology itself is neutral. It's how we use it that it's either good or bad. Second, more and more, our infrastructure is becoming our bosses. The algorithms tell us what to do more. There will be fewer and fewer managers, coaches, whatever we choose to, and more and more algorithms telling us what to do. Third, W. Edwards Deming once said, a bad system will beat a good person every time. So the source of my quote, employees for better or worse will be haves or haves not. What I'm talking about is the EQ or the relationship ability to work the system. More and more, the systems themselves are gonna be our bosses. The algorithm telling us what to do. And the haves and haves nots, we know those people, you know, who I was one of them, you know, from Boy Scouts to grade school, whatever it was, somebody who always knew how to work the system, get around the system. There's all, the haves will be the people who know how to work the system, not just for the customer's benefit or the company's benefit, but to also succeed, to get out at 457 and not be screwed by it. <laughs> uh, but the reality is it's not just going to be those mean bosses in Manhattan. It's going to be algorithms that are tracking us. And more and more, the system is going to be our boss. And it's, are you able to work that system so that you can have a life? Because here's the reality I've learned after researching this 35 years, the overwhelmingness of the system is designed for corporate success, not individual success. Thank you for the reality check. And rumor has had it that be careful when, I hope I don't make any enemies here, be careful when you talk to HR because they don't work for you. They work for the company and that's the way it is. So be very careful whom you trust and to whom you speak and to whom you share your issues and your challenges. Think write once, draft your email. I hear the, the new mode is to put it away overnight in your draft folder and look at it the next morning when you're calmer, when cooler minds and hearts prevail and see if you really want to send that. That applies to everything in business, even those of us who are owners and have our clients. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Scott, I'm combining two of your predictions here. I like both of them and we, we're, we're not running short on time, but I want to make sure we get this both in. They're short. So just like me. Uh, so the first one you say is leadership will evolve to become shared. I'm using air quotes, everybody. Shared leadership whereby mutual reciprocal influence will have 
happen among all team members, and Vanessa was talking about teams, and the one I want you to add to that is few people want to become a manager, more people want to become an owner. So let's talk about that shared and then the concept of owner. Yeah. Are you on yep. boss? Go ahead, Scott. Sure. So definition of leadership is influencing others towards collective goals. It's not a position. It is a, a person, right? It's the act, the process of influencing others. So shared leadership is a little bit different. And then it's recognizing that your role within an organization happens within a social system, whether it's your team, your department, your unit, whatever. So now shared leadership has become what's being illustrated within research as a very impactful phenomenon and process where everyone is sharing leadership capabilities. So everyone is influencing each other within their social structure. And this has important implications because formally when we talk about leadership, we think about certain attributes or characteristics or competencies of leaders. And certainly that's useful. But with shared leadership, you start to recognize that, hey, I need to become self-aware enough of my strengths, of my weaknesses, my preferences, my blind spots, and I have to become other aware of what everyone within my team or unit is capable of so that I can do what's called claim or grant leadership roles at any one point in time, given the setting and given the situation. So it's not about having specific characteristics and continuing to accumulate all of these, these great attributes. Instead, it's more about self and other awareness, right? We are all bringing unique values in different ways or unique value in different ways. And if we can engage in that process efficiently, that's really the future of leadership, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's a process, a complicated process, but it's possible. Thank you. This is a very complex topic, what we're talking about. There is no cut and dry answer. Not everybody is going to be managed by a person or manage themselves or a team or AI. Let me move on. Thank you, Scott. Matt, I'm going to do two of your predictions because I want to make sure we get these in. First of all, this is a reality check. Matt says there is no going back to pre-COVID. The future of work is hybrid. Flexible, asynchronous, I want you to define that for us. Work will be organized around what needs to be done, not where it is be done, and not what a leader dictates. That's the first one. And the second one is on something that Bill said, similar. AI and data science will take the bias out of our products, our processes, and our leaders' decisions, or it won't. I love the or it won't. So Matt, go ahead, unpack for us, please, the idea of uh, we can't go back and, and what's happening with data science. Go ahead, Matt. Well, maybe let me start with the second first, and hopefully my picture is, is staying. Um, anyway, uh, I, you know, Bill, you made some great points around, you know, the system and what the system is going to be doing to us. And I think, you know, we hear about the promise of AI and that AI is going to allow us to take out those unconscious biases we have as leaders, and it will help us make those decisions. And I think the real risk here is humans design AI and humans design the algorithms that go into it. And those algorithms are often built around the experiences we have and, and the biases we have. And so at one level, I think there's a real risk, Bill, exactly to your point, is we start trusting our systems and not our, our own judgment and taking those systems as the right answer for the way things ought to be prescribed. And we know from numerous examples, whether that's facial identification, whether it's um, other things that AI makes mistakes. It only does as well as the program that goes into it. And I think our real challenge here is as, as leaders is, is, is not becoming slave to the, 
to the AI and the systems and what they tell us to do, but finding that balance. And two, it's who's actually designing the AI. And how do we make sure that when we come together, um, that we're getting the diversity of views into the AI, such that the users of it and the designers of it can start to actually build that. So that's, the, that's one thing that I think is going to be absolutely critical and talks back to diversity, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is important. Now, I also think that, you know, nostalgia for going back to the quote unquote, the way it was, is the desire of many CEOs. A lot of CEOs I talk to are all just like, okay, when is everybody coming back in the office? And we've, you've seen CEO after CEO try to mandate, you know, we're going to be back in the office and then essentially have where workers revolt. And I think it's a, it's a world that people my age, Bill's age, we grew up in. And so, and Bonnie, you did too, where, where you know, yeah, we looked around and, and everybody had to come in and that's what we did. We didn't have the tools that we have today. We didn't have the ability to work asynchronously. I, by that, I mean, we are all working in parallel or we're not working where we all have to come together to make progress. We will advance what we are doing and then come together when needed. And I think recent research and where we've seen it has, has shown that workers um, see the difference. And when they design their own work models, it makes a trade-off between this being together and realizing the importance of that. But that doesn't mean being together at 4.57 p.m. every day. And so I think that world, and if you're a leader in that world and you wanna to try to dictate, dictations don't work. And I think I also agree with Scott's point, the lines on the chart and the fact that it says that I'm at the top of the box or whatever, doesn't empower you to drive change as a leader. And that is amplified in this flexible, asynchronous world where you have to be building the vision for what the team needs to accomplish and have people aligned to it. You have to engage their head and their heart also to have them have a, a, a purpose of why they should care about it. And then you as a leader have to enable them and unlock. And basically I think uh, Scott, you would say, you know, unlock the blockages that get in the way of the team in terms of your leadership influence. It's not because you just tell somebody that that has to change because they won't follow. Do you teach this stuff, Matt? I, I would like to send my some of my former bosses to, to, to talk to all of you looking back. My favorite boss was one who actually literally rolled up his sleeves. We had to work putting together a marketing presentation. It was 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. He said, we're all staying late. He ordered in pizza or Chinese food or something like that. And we all stood around this table and assembled packages for this big board meeting or whatever. It was the next day. And he was there with us side by side. And he said, we're all a team. He was the CEO of the company. He said, we are all the team. We're working together. We're here. We're staying late. I'll make sure you're fed. You get home at a decent hour, but we're doing this together. And I thought, what? A boss, a manager, an executive working side by side with the team. And I have to tell you, Matt, talking about hybrid, and, and you mentioned we all started work. Uh, Vanessa, I don't know if you fit into this. We all started work. We had to go to work. Okay. You had to go to a building. You had to go. To, okay. You're, you're in that too. I once picked a job based on how beautiful the office was. I swear. And the reason, don't think I'm that nuts. I was in Eugene, Oregon. My uncle sent way before the internet. My uncle sent me the New York Times job ads. I started at five in the morning, six in the morning, calling the New York agencies and the jobs. I got 15 interviews set up in five days. I traveled to New York 
with one suit that I had sewn myself. My parents stopped everything they were doing and took me on. We did Westchester. We did Manhattan. We did the five boroughs. We did everywhere. I think we even, and they took me on these interviews. I ended up with four job offers in one week. I flew back to Oregon and I had to decide. The one I picked was the one in the fanciest building on Fifth Avenue in Midtown, New York. And it was a hell of a bad choice from the day I got there. It was the worst choice, but it led me to other things and other opportunities. So, but I, I made, I don't know how many people did that, but I wanted to work in a place in a cool, in a really cool place. And you know what they did? A month after I moved into that office, they left that fancy schmancy and they moved, yes, I know, to 34th Street, 9th Avenue in New York City, a block from Penn Station. And one of my colleagues got mugged getting into the back of a taxi on his way to, to Amtrak one night on the way home from work. It was, or wherever he was going, it was crazy. So we were in, we were in not the dregs, but we were in a pretty bed. So I learned my lesson. Don't pick the office. So now I have a beautiful office. Let's go around the table. We have 10 more minutes. Let's do a couple more. I'm, I'm remembering a lot of these. I'm sure you all have interesting stories as well. Vanessa, let's go to your prediction number four. Let's go more into the future. You say the metaverse will continue to enable digital nomads and remote workers to participate in work, but the nature of team bonding and collaboration will change over these platforms. And this is the part you have to talk about. Imagine how work looks and feels with avatars. Vanessa, we had to get this in before the end sure. of the show. Everybody's saying, what's she going to say? Go ahead, Vanessa. It might sound a little bit sci-fi, but actually I just attended uh, a webinar last week with the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies. Very, very interesting. And they ran a, a webinar all about the metaverse and how it's going to affect work life. And they predict that in 10 years, 80% of companies will have a presence in the metaverse. I know our time frame is shorter, but even if our time frame is three years, let's assume the fast moving organizations are involved within three years. This really means a lot of companies out there may actually have metaverse spaces. What remains to be seen, will they just be used for events or for team bonding or for games to bring people close together who aren't physically together? Or will this really be a place where work happens? And these are all questions that nobody really knows the answers to yet. But I'm really fascinated when I think about this because a big part of the metaverse is obviously it's, it's based on gaming technologies, avatars. So for me, you know, the topic of this is around leading um, teams. What will it feel like when you have teams of people in real life how will their behaviors or how will dynamics change if we're in a metaverse space with avatars? I can see scenarios that are really positive. For example, let's say people feel more powerful when they give themselves a more powerful um, avatar. It forces us to not have biases when we're dealing with people, right, because it's avatars. But I do see some problems with that as well. For example, how do you police or manage etiquette or you know, to make sure that there's no bullying going on in these metaverse spaces. Um, so these, again, questions that I think it's might, like I said, sound a little bit in, you know, uh, in the future, but I think within a few years, some managers or leaders might be scratching their heads and actually thinking about how do I do this in real life, avatars, metaverse, physical spaces. I think it throws up a whole lot of really interesting questions. I'd love to, to know what the other panelists think about it, actually. 
You know what? I think what we're going to do is we're going to schedule a part two for this conversation, if you'd all like to come back and look at work in the metaverse. Would you all be interested in that? What do you think? Can you come up with a couple predictions? I have an Oculus um, Quest 2 headset I bought a couple weeks ago, Vanessa, and some of the explore places are collaborative workplaces on the metaverse. Uh, meetings and conferences, and they're doing it already. And you you do have an avatar, and it's absolutely fascinating. I'm setting up a spatial room for my artwork and music, so I'm doing Amazing. my yeah. I, I'll send you I'll send you some links to some of the stuff I'm doing. But it's it's just and you can go to spatial.io without a virtual headset. By the way, it's one of the few virtual sites that you can do on your computer without a headset, which is very interesting. Bill, I want to uh, Vanessa, thank you for that so much. Bill, let's wrap quickly. We've got six minutes left. Plenty of time. That's an hour on radio, right? Bill, I'm looking at your prediction number four. You say, due to the ongoing massive disruptions that we all experience at work and in our lives, of course, never before has it more been more crucial for each of us to have at least two, everybody put up two fingers, two mentors. <laughs> One, the wisdom of age and experience, and two, disruptive energy. Okay, Bill, you got uh, three and a half minutes. Knock it well, out of the park. My standard joke when I introduce this is you need two mentors, one twice your age, one half your age. And anybody 40 above starts laughing hysterically, like, where am I going to find this person? <laughs> uh, but the reality is when we seek out mentors, we're usually looking for someone who has the wisdom of age and experience and who can guide us, who's been on that path before. That's our standard definition of, of mentor. But the amount of disruption that's happening is so crazy, so much. When I say half your age, it's the wisdom of disruptive energy. The person, who, find a person who would, who is already in the metaverse, using Vanessa's example, and says, this is the thing that's coming, even if you don't believe it. Find someone who is 10 steps ahead of you, who is doing stupid things, according to you, but advanced things. We need two kinds of mentors in our life. One that shows us the path that they have walked and that others have walked. The other, the path that is still yet unforged. And that's, we need somebody who's going to push us down that uncleared path. I like that. I save these thoughts. We'll. I'll, I have highlighted what we've used in terms of your predictions, but we're going to do the woo woo the future. Uh, Scott, I have one more prediction. I think we can sneak in here. Number four. You say the sure. people we're leading will not be employed by our company, making it harder to influence them through top-down influence tactics. Who will they be? We talking consultants, contractors, avatars? Who are we talking, Scott? All the above, and I think. Where we're headed is probably more so along the lines of strategic partnerships, as well as outsourced uh, partners within very specific niche areas. So we're less likely to try and employ people as W-2 and more likely to partner with people through contracts. And that makes us more scalable. It makes us more nimble and adaptable. And it also allows us to be more specialized within whatever it is that we're trying to do, right? So we become this micro specialized niche industry type provider in all sorts of different areas. And so if you try to do everything yourself, you're probably not doing it as well as what you could. Um, so that takes a very different set of characteristics for people, right? To be able to handle the chaos and handle all of the different relationships, it's a very different mindset. And I think a lot of people are getting into this mindset of I'm less so a manager and more so like some of the terminology used earlier, a facilitator, a coach, 
a partner, that type of mindset and approach to interacting with others is much different than, and what it would be if you just simply had authority and control over the processes because your title says that you do. I like, and thank you for that. Vanessa, you used a word, I'm gonna to add to Scott's list, you used the word curator. Can you just define that a little bit more for us before, this'll be our closing thought, we've got about two minutes left. So Vanessa, if somebody was going to, uh, hello, I'm Vanessa, I'm your curator in your role in our company. What, what, how would you define that? Or would you put that in the job description? You're gonna get a curator, not a boss. What would that person be like? Just one minute, please. I think a curator is someone, you know, we live in world, a world of over-information supply and complexity. And I think a curator is someone who has an ability to kind of turn down the noise on things that don't matter and bring to the forefront things that are truly important and needed for a particular group of people. And I think that's a really important part of a, the job of a, someone who's leading people is to know what's important enough for me to flag it to you and why and to put it into context and help people go to the you know, to the core issues and to dial down the things that are just not very value adding at that particular moment. I'm trying to think of the previous bosses I've had, if anybody would could even fit that category, the heart, the hands, the empathy. Scott, you had something to say. I can give you 30 seconds. Go ahead. Just one quick comment. Yeah, that I please. love to tell my students at the end of our leadership semester, when they take this class is how would you lead if no one was required to listen to you? That's a very different mindset that I think we're starting to, to capture through a lot of the themes that have been said so far. Interesting. And I have to apologize to you, Scott, because I said to Matt before, do you teach this stuff? And I know you're, you teach this stuff. So I would want to take a class from both of you. Okay. I just want to be, want to be fair and square here. I'd like you all to stick around because let's pick a date for part two, but I want to make it the future future of bosses and work, which is a great topic. And we can invite Carrie and Francis to join us too. It'll just be a little, little less talk time for all of you, but I'd, lo I'd love, we could do six on the panel. Um, talk about work in the metaverse. You, you all game for that? What do you think? Matt, sure. you good with that topic? Yeah, I can't see. Yes, okay. Matt, we heard your voice. We didn't see you a lot, but we did. Wow. I want to say thank you to I want to say thank you to Aaron Keller at Voice America. He's he's running everything now. Aaron is the head of uh, client success at 30 seconds. Thank you very much. And he's running our show. Today. Aaron, I miss you and I'm glad you're back. Thank you so much. Uh, and I want to say thank you so much, Vanessa Egley. It's been such a pleasure. Matt Krentz, really appreciate you. Great, great input. Scott, always wonderful to see you. Bill Jensen, what can I say? Mr. Simplicity. You all contributed. Oh, thank you. Oh, I don't usually get kisses after a show. Oh, wow. So I want you all to to, you're going to do a quick assignment here on the air before we say goodbye. Uh, on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying no, 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 when I start to count to three. People say the future is already here. Our answer is one, two, three. No, no, no. 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 Vanessa, put up that finger. No, 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 no. 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 Why? Because that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. Whoops, after I said yet, that space with the period and the pause, that was the future and it's already gone. We're all working, I know we are, in our hearts to make this a better place, a better world. And we're just doing the best we can. So thank you everybody for listening to Technology Revolution, the future of now ready wave. Goodbye to Facebook, goodbye to LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Bye.